Welcome to Organizing with Ease with home organizers Deanna Mall and Zenith Siman. This is where we talk about ways to make organizing easy so that we can enjoy our daily lives with less stress. Today we've prepared a special episode that's perfect for teachers. We appreciate all of your work and dedication and care for our kids. And so we're giving back to you today by providing you with some ideas and tips that we hope will get you organized and stay organized all year long. We're going to start today with a conversation with Pam Alarcon Picasso, who is the Master Educational Coach and Supervisor at Catapult Learning. Pam develops and provides oversight of programs, instructional design, and learning initiatives that have been implemented in our school systems. Her goals are to keep things simple, organized, and overall effective. Just our type of person, Pam. <laughs> Welcome to Organizing with Ease, and thank you for joining us. Yes, absolutely. Good morning, Tana. How are you today? <laughs> I just want to explain all the background noise you're hearing right now. Pam is actually on vacation and in a very crowded place, and she's graciously taken some time out to do this interview with us. And so we absolutely appreciate this. And we do apologize for the noise that you'll hear behind Pam for right now. So Pam, can you just tell us a little bit about how you work with teachers? So one of the first things I do is when I sit down with a teacher, we talk about what their personal goal is, right? So I think organization too is very personal, right? So what happens is, is that if I tell you, let's organize your classroom this way, or let's, let's do it this way because it's optimal. I like for things to be X, Y, Z. Then what you do is you come back and as you guys know, they're not there. They're not ready. So we start off with a goal. And when we set up a goal, we think of what the end product or end result is going to be. And the reason why we do that is so that they can look at what action steps are going to take to get there. So if your school is, your goal is student-centered, I want to set up my classroom for optimal, you know, engagement of students or maybe optimal um, results of students. Well, then we talk about what are things to cultivate that, right? And so that's what sort of I say, make a, make a plan, always keep it simple. The next step really becomes have some type of action steps for that goal in order for us to complete it. Um, And so... You know, that's always, I always say, you know, my job is part theory (laughs) and part action. So meaning there's a lot of theory out there in education, right? A lot of like buzzwords or a lot of buzz terms that people are familiar with, you know, when the Florida standards came out or, um, you know, you know, curriculum and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So that's what I call theory. But then you put 15, 20, 30 kids in one place, (laughs) you know, you take parents, you take everything that involves in education and then you get actual practice. Right. And so that's why I come into the classroom. Step one is always to come in and listen and learn. And so I come into a classroom and essentially what I'm doing is I'm observing, but I'm observing through a viewing lens. So depending on the goal that I go with the teacher, I'm looking to see what strengths that teacher has so that we can help develop that goal. So we are very much a a strength-based program, where as opposed to sitting here and coaching you through the things that you don't know how to do, right? It's the complete opposite. Do you see a difference of uh, educators uh, from high school to elementary? Is there, or even in middle school? So absolutely. So you you do have to take that into consideration, right? A kindergarten teacher really you know, you're teaching everything. So socio-emotional at the beginning is so crucial because you're just, you're picking up this little one that was just at home possibly for the last five years of their lives. Yeah. And then you're a high schooler where they, you know, they know where everything goes. Now, procedures and establishing them, that doesn't change. So what will change is what the procedures are. You can't expect to run a high school classroom the way you would expect to run a kindergarten classroom. But if the teacher doesn't begin with a plan, and doesn't begin with some 
goals and how they're going to execute that goals, then the end result is going to be the same. It might just not be what they want it to be. So, um, and then, yes, absolutely. Teachers that are in kindergarten, you know, they're feeling the way they come about things. The sharing is caring. Whereas in high school, you're kind of an island sometimes if you treat it like that. So definitely working with teachers in high school and middle school is very different than working with teachers in elementary school. And so is there right at the beginning of the school year, because this is the, you know, crunch time for teachers and this is exciting for them. They come in with a lot of enthusiasm, a lot of readiness. Is there, would you say like one key thing that these teachers should focus on? And I know you mentioned goals and yes, let's say they have their goals in place. Where should they go from there? What is the one key thing that they should remember um, as they start a new year so that they stay organized and kind of like ahead of the game instead of being reactive? Right. I think really going back to your purpose, right? So one of the first things Mm -hmm. I said is keep it simple, go back to your purpose. So I think if your purpose is in your forefront and that's your purpose for the entire year, right? You have a plan for that. And so that when you lose sight and you go back, one of the things I add is a reflection journal. So one of the things that I ask all teachers to do is at the end of the day, reflect and write down one thing that they did really well and one thing that they really didn't like from their day and then reflect back to their goal. And so all of the, you know, when I start my coaching, I'll give them, you know, a small little notebook that we keep between us. And it is that in itself, right? A reflection journal that they can write right. their goal that we wrote together. And then day by day, because with teaching, as with many other careers, it's a day by day process. So I would venture to say really that reflection piece um, to just sit two minutes. And and what happens is I think in our day to day, we get lost and sidetracked, right? And that's why organization, I think, is the root to all of our problems, really. If you go back to that, or even when you've had a bad day, right? Even when you've had that day where you're like here and there and everywhere, right? If you yeah. go back to that yeah. planning piece and you just take a few quiet minutes and it's it's and one you- or two, then you can almost reorganize and reshape your thoughts to be a little bit more on that positive trend. Is that something you do as well? Well, yes. And so exactly. So as a productivity consultant, what I've done is we always focus on, um, you know, the three big goals for the day and the three goals for the week. And so that way, if you do nothing else that day, except you've completed these three things, and if you've done nothing else, except complete these three things for the week, you're ahead of the game. You've completed stuff that you've meant to complete to get you to whatever your final goal is for the week or for the year or however far you're looking ahead. Because you, like you just said, fires come up every day. You're dealing with the immediate situation. And if you lose track of those three things at the end of the day, you're like, what did I accomplish today? I think we get frustrated, right? right? That moms and, you know, women and working women, right? That combination. And we we talked a lot about finding that balance. And I think finding that balance is finding a minute to be Pam. Like, yes, I'm, you know, coach and I'm, you know, mom and I'm wife. But when is there that moment? And you have to have the availability to say no. And I think that that's something I, think I learned, I think, in the last 10 years, which I don't think I had before. And so I encourage anyone who's younger, right, to find that. Like, it is important. I think this generation is thankfully a lot more conscious about self-help, right, and self-evaluation and self-growth. So I hopefully that we can promote this new generation, meet our own kids, to, to, to find their no, right, and, and then also make me time. Excellent. Okay. So what I heard is 
make a plan, find a way to work that plan. And you're the one who can help them to do that. Find a way to get to that plan. Take personal time, personal time to reflect the 10 minutes, the two minutes, the whatever time you you have reflect at the end of every day so that you see that you're moving forward with your goals and learn to say no (laughs) to some things so that you can find that time to reflect and plan for the next day, plan for the next day so that you don't feel like. I think that 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 is a really good summary. I mean, I think ultimately, you know, it's our career goals, our personal goals and, and making sure that you're planned and deliberate and and making that goal. And I think it starts with just taking some time to sit down and, and focus. And that's what the coaching does. It forces them to narrow down on that. Yeah, exactly. And I think that's, you know, that's the beauty of what you do, because I think without having someone there, someone to be accountable to, someone to bounce ideas off of, we think, oh yeah, well, I'm doing this. I'm taking the 10 minutes, the five minutes, the two minutes. In reality, our minds are spinning onto other things rather than being very focused on on what happened today, what I'm going to do tomorrow. So having that coach, someone to guide us through that thinking process is priceless. So thank you for what you do. Thank you for, for joining us today. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate your time. Awesome. Thanks for coming. Wow. Thank you. If you've been in your classroom for a few years, it's very likely that you take time to declutter at some point during the summer. Decluttering a classroom is a lot like decluttering your house, if you can really believe that one. It's true. You really want to make very deliberate choices about what you keep. Of course, you'll declutter your office supplies, the school supplies, and the reading books. Just as important is to declutter your paper. This part can sometimes feel a bit overwhelming. And so you might just say that you'll go through all those papers later, right? I think so. (laughs) I think we've all been there, right, Zena? I think so. It's always later. Yeah, later is always there, right? Later, later. (laughs) These are the weekly worksheets, goal sheets, instruction sheets, and so on. It may feel simple to just say that since you're likely to reuse them again, you know, this year or a variation of the same thing. If it's your curriculum hasn't changed, that you'll just wait until planning time for that lesson to deal with those sheets. But be careful because this can really lead to paper clutter. Your best bet is to keep an electronic record of these from year to year rather than the paper copy. It's less likely to be lost and a lot easier to make changes from year to year. We suggest for teachers to go as paperless as possible for themselves. Use your Google Drive or OneDrive or Dropbox to create your master directory for the year and then add your lesson files by subject or class period. You're likely already doing this. So the idea is to go all in, to embrace it. Just think about that, being paperless between school years so that your classroom remains uncluttered as possible and also less stress. Mm -hmm. Once you've decluttered, then the fun will begin. I think so. I don't know, right, Zena? You can start organizing, right? Start organizing all those supplies into containers for the storage in your classroom cabinets or shelves. We find that in classrooms, just as in homes, it's important for kids to know that there's a home for everything in the classroom and that they can be responsible for putting stuff away. One tip that we have for the classrooms is to not only label each container, 
but also label where in the classroom that container belongs. In fact, for the youngest students, you can take that step farther and print a label the same size as the container, laminate it and stick it to the surface of the shelf where that container belongs. And Zena and I love to label. So when it's time to put containers of crayons away, for example, everyone knows exactly where and how the containers get put away on that shelf because they put the container right onto the rectangular labeled, quote unquote, crayons that matches the label on the container. But they also match the container to the same size label stuck onto the surface of the shelf. Are we envisioning this pit? I think it's a beautiful, right? Don't you think? It's just beautiful all in itself to look at. It's like uh, those little um, preschool puzzles that have shapes for everything. So you take that container, you put it on the same shape. (laughs) Exactly, right? And of course, you must contain everything, whether you prefer stacks of plastic drawers, stackable bins with lids, trays, baskets, magazine holders, cups, Caddies, make sure you got a container for everything. And we've got the links for a lot of the supplies that we're recommending in the show notes. So take a look at those. Yes, please do. One tip a teacher friend had for us was to have a container for those quote unquote missing pieces. What a great tip. You know how at the end of the day, after all the math manipulatives or puzzles have been picked up somewhere, right, by someone, mm-hmm. always finding that one that one piece that stays behind or stays underneath the desk somewhere, well, they'll bring it to you. And if you don't have a spot for it, it'll probably stay on that desk for a really, really long time. And so if you have that missing pieces container, you just drop it in there. And the next time your students are working with those manipulatives and one student is missing a piece, you know exactly where to find it. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) Right? Yes. It's all about, it's all about that organizing. Having a spot for everything, even. Having a spot for everything. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I love it. Well, something that's really important for teachers, as we know, is to save money. And so using supplies that are truly durable is key for that. So beyond the plastic bins and the baskets and the stackable drawers and trays, magazine folders, cups, you know, all the supplies that we have links for in the show notes for you. One tip that a teacher friend had for us was to use the little Ikea kids plates, the ones that have the lip all around them. They use those for any work that involves glitter, paint, blue sequins or anything that really needs to be contained on a desk surface. The beauty of these plates is that they're super easy to rinse off and the lip keeps all the tiny pieces from blowing all over the classroom and they last for years. Another tip from the same teacher was to use cans to keep groups of desks together. So she places the legs of four desks into one tuna can and then the desks stay together really easily. You don't have desks moving apart or straying away from each other while the kids are doing their group work. If you're, if you're only putting two desks together, she uses a regular 15-ounce vegetable can. She puts two legs into, into that vegetable can, and which I thought was, was really brilliant, by the way. I think that's, that's actually, that's why they're, they're teachers. They can, they're, they're so teachers. They have these. Well, why they're teachers? Because they think outside the box and they make things work. <laughs> Just, totally. Right? They totally. Reuse, they reuse everything. I love it. Yeah. So very similarly to the missing parts container, You can also have a lost property container. So 
usually at the end of every day when when you know the pencils, rulers, glue sticks, stock erasers, anything that's found on the floor or on a table somewhere, when you ask, oh, who does this belong to? Well, nobody answers, right? Nobody knows who it belongs no, to. Nobody does. But no. guess what? The next time they need their glue stick, someone is invariably missing theirs. And so you can then direct them to the lost property container and say, hey, take a yep. look here first and see if there's a, a glue stick in there. So all those unclaimed items will go there at the end of each day. Again, what we're trying to say is contain everything. It creates less clutter for your classroom. Plus it creates a home that your students will know where to go to, to find things and to put things away. Yes. And very importantly, once you have a system in place, a home for everything, every container and every shelf is labeled. The library shelves are labeled. It is so important to reset the classroom each day because organizing depends on resetting. But the good news is that if you have a system already in place, one that works for you and your class, this reset literally takes just a couple of minutes. You can assign a job to your students to help you to do this, and they actually love to help. They really do. <laughs> One student can be in charge of the library, replacing the books, making sure the books are all lined up nicely. Another student is in charge of looking down the floor to pick up those missing pieces or that lost property, right, and placing them in those containers. Another set of students can be in charge of various shelves to straighten up containers and make sure things are in the right place. All in the while, you can re quickly reset your own desk and prep for the next day. Exactly. I think it's really important to remember that just because you have a system, it doesn't mean that you never have to do a little reset. There no. are, you know, 25 people, you and 25 kids or you and 24 kids in that one room all day long. So there's bound to be some things that have to be reset and replaced at the end of the day. But if you have a good system that's working, like Deanna said, it will only take a couple of minutes. Thanks for tuning in today. We hope that you'll join us again next week for more great tips and organizing information. This has been Organizing with Ease with Deanna Mall and Zenit Simon. We'd love to hear from you, so feel free to leave us a review. If you have any questions you'd like for us to address on our podcast, send us an email at hello at owepodcast.com and we'll talk about it on the future podcast. Until next week. Bye.